There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning. You are listening to the Daily Doctrine Devotional. This is a daily podcast designed to teach and preach Bible doctrine each weekday throughout the year. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh asking you to please let others know about this podcast so that they can subscribe or tune in each weekday. At the end of the podcast, we will provide you with subscription information as well as contact information for our ministry. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed, song of the redeemed. Thank you for tuning in once again to the podcast. This is Evangelist Tim McVeigh. This is our daily doctrine devotional, our Thursday edition of the podcast. We're going to be in Job 29 today. How we thank the Lord for that. Uh, we are finishing up the meetings here in Maine. And then looking forward to what God is going to do in Vermont. And we'll be at the uh, Anabaptist Tabernacle there in Linden, Vermont, beginning on Sunday, running through Friday evening, each and every night. And uh, we're certainly looking forward to the Brother Hartsock and the folks there. I know that church, those people are very dear to some of you that listen to the podcast. And so we would ask you to be in prayer. We would ask you that you would pray continually for those services. The following Sunday then will be just south of Providence, Rhode Island, Warwick, Rhode Island. And then heading home for just a short brief stay and then heading back up to Youth Week in New York. We are thankful for the Egamalgam Baptist Church and the Tremont Baptist Church here in Maine for having us in. What a blessing that was to us to be a part of the services there. And we certainly pray that God will give fruit from that labor. We're back in Job 29 today. And Job is speaking here. And Job is a great man. Uh, He was a perfect man. He was one that feared God. He eschewed evil. And Job is speaking of himself, I believe here, and I've wrestled with this because he speaks in a parable. He says he continues his parable, and yet in that, I see Job. I see him explaining how he is a great man and the things that have taken place, because then in chapter 30, he speaks of how he has fallen. He speaks of how he's no longer in those positions, those places. But what Job is looking at here is not necessarily the righteousness of God. This would be a great man, as you could say, and rightfully so. As, uh, as President Jimmy Carter winds up his life, Jimmy Carter was a great man. You may not agree with his policies. You may not agree with his life. You may not agree with his decisions. You may not agree with him giving away the Panama Canal or meeting with world leaders that hated the United States. But he was a great man in what he accomplished. He was the president of the United States, a man that came from being a peanut farmer, was it put into position and was the governor and then, of course, the president. And that's a great honor. That is a great position. Other presidents have sought him out for counsel. And so as, as so as he was a great man, there are other great men. Job was one of those great men. But Job here begins to speak of these things as though maybe this was his relationship with God, because he begins in verse one, moreover, Job continued his parable and said, all that as I were in months past in the days when God preserved me, when his candle shined upon my head, when by his light, I walked through darkness yeah, it was in the days of my youth when the secret of God was upon my tabernacle, when the Almighty was yet with me, when my children were about me, when I washed my steps with butter and the rock poured out rivers of oil, when I went out to the gate through the city, when I prepared my seat in the street. And so again, I do just see this as Job. 
There's little snippets there, but I wrestled through this and realized this is just Job speaking of his life. But this is not what made Job a perfect man. This is not what made Job an upright man. This is not the marks of a man necessary to the shoe of evil. This could be any great man. And uh, the blessings of God upon him, his candle shined upon his head. Do you realize that the Lord will preserve lives of those that honor their father and their mother? He said that that's a promise. Uh, it's a commandment with promise. And uh, yet there are those that will still die. They'll perish. They'll die and go to hell in a great age. I was reading recently, uh, there's a lobster woman here in Maine who still actively runs a lobster company. Occasionally she's on the boats and she's 103 years old. And there is nobody that would know a woman like that and say she's not a great woman. Uh, she's still working in the business. I don't know how many hours a day she works. I'm sure it's not many at 103 years old. Uh, but she still runs the business. She still is in the lobster industry. She's well known. They would say she's a great woman. She's accomplished much. She's done great things. I don't know the lady. I wouldn't be condescending towards her. She could be a child of God, could be a saint of God, could have lived for God all the days of her life and went out of the lobster boats and, and provided a living for herself. But that's not what justifies a man. That's not what makes a man right with God. And though his steps were washed with butter and the rocks poured him out rivers of oil, that didn't make Job just. That's not what justified Job with God. When I went to the gate through the city, when I prepared my seat in the street. Now, what is that street? It's in the street where the gate is. Job was a man of importance. Job was a man that others looked to. He was the one that when he spake, the children would listen. When he spake, others would listen. He was a man of wisdom, a man of renown. Oftentimes in life, I think we see men like that. And because of their riches, because of their wealth, because of their position, uh, they're held in high esteem. But it has nothing to do with godliness, not in this day in which we live. I don't see where it did in, in Job's day. I'm sure there were godly men held in great esteem at times. But there are also men that would have obeyed the laws of God, but yet didn't have faith. Uh, they would have been probably good men, respected men. I know in the community, when you're going to be selected to be on the board of a bank or on a committee or a very large agency, the Better Business Bureau, things like that, they look for men that are very successful. They're in the gate. They're in the seat, in the street. They have positions. They have power. They're usually not elected officials. They usually don't condescend that low to be an elected official. They usually just go straight to the boards of the major uh, financial players, the industry, pads their resume. And uh, when you see folks die and you see great people die and you read the obituary and you realize this man had an earned doctorate degree. He taught philosophy for 12 years at a college after his retirement. And he was a, a, a historian by trade, but his job was he was a physician. And you just see these things. You say, oh, my goodness, you know, this is a great man. He's on boards and councils and he's on the hospital board and the decision board and the medical board and all of these things. Why? Because he's a great man. That's what Job is speaking of. He's lamenting where he was with his status. Now he's in the ash heap and he's scraping his sores with a pot shirt. But sadly, it doesn't change Job's relationship with God or it ought not change Job's relationship with God. The mighty have fallen. Truth, oftentimes, uh, truth comes and ministers to folks and ministers to their hearts. And it doesn't matter their position physically. It doesn't matter their position with wealth. But Job is lamenting these things, I believe. That's the way I read this in this parable. For in verse 8, he said, The young men saw me and hid themselves, and the aged arose and stood up. Why? Because it was Job speaking. 
The princes refrained talking and laid their hand on their mouth. Why? Because Job was speaking. It's interesting. When the Lord came to Job, what did he do? He laid his hand upon his mouth. He realized there's one greater than him. There's one that he needs to listen to, one that he needs to take heed to. And so many people today will not learn that lesson. They refuse to learn that lesson. They won't lay their hand upon their mouth for anybody or for anything. They want to be heard. They want their voice to be out there. They want folks to notice them, hear them, speak well of them because they think they have something to say. Now, Job did have something to say. He was in that position. He was in the gate. He was on the board, if you will. But he said, then the nobles held their peace and their tongue cleaved to the roof of their mouth. Why? Job was speaking. This great man, this man of renown, this man of power, this man of a position of authority, this man who knew God, he was an upright man. He was a perfect man. He feared God. He escheweth evil. When the ear heard me, then it blessed me. And when the eye saw me, it gave witness to me. So when they looked at him, listened to him, it was a blessing because he knew that he had an impact on people. Can I say as a preacher of the gospel, uh, it's, it's hard sometimes. You feel like you're making a difference. You have an impact and that pride comes and you finally have to realize that it was nothing of me. This was God. This was a working of God. Nothing in the position I've held, nothing in the, the message I said that could help anybody unless it's intellectual help, but the things that God says can be a help. The things that God can minister, it can be a help to them. Because I delivered the poor that cried and the fatherless in him that had none to help him. So Job did what was right. He always did what was right. And I believe he's lamenting because he can't figure out again why he's in the ash heap, why he's lost everything he has. He's given you his pedigree. He's given you his resume, if you will, how he did that that was right. He always helped others. He considered the fatherless and the widowed and then, again, those that had none to help him, this is the right thing. I know people that name the name of Christ and claim they love the Lord, and they don't help anybody. And they never consider the poor. They never consider the widow. They never consider those. But Job considered them. Job went to the fatherless and was a blessing to them and a help to them. And by the way, that is still pure religion. And there's a lot of folks that name the name of Christ but do not practice pure religion. They look at the homeless guy on the street with disdain. Sadly, there's people that came off the streets, and they still look at the homeless with disdain. You go in churches, and they're so squeaky clean that even their shoes are so squeaky clean. When they walk, the whole church echoes with the squeakiness of their shoes. But it would be an offense to them if somebody came in with dirty shoes. It would be an offense to them if somebody came in with greasy hair. It would be an offense to them if somebody came in odiferous and, and causing great consternation among the saints. But that's the people that Job helped. He said in verse 13, then the blessing of him that was ready to perish came upon me. And I caused the widow's heart to sing for joy. He did what he could to help. He was a blessing to others, a help to others. One of the saddest things you'll ever find in this world, somebody that names the name of Christ and they've lost sight of what they were and they don't help people that were just like them. They sit there leeching off of others. They sit there drawing off of others. They're not willing to work. They're not willing to labor. They're not willing to be a blessing. They won't even take time to sit with people. They don't take time to interact with people. They don't take time to consider the needs. And people say, well, I don't have money to give them. You know what a widow needs? A widow needs a visit, to visit the fatherless and the widowed in their affliction. They just need a visit. How hard is it to visit somebody? But they're lazy. They're indifferent. They're useless to God. They're cold on God. They're indifferent towards the things of God. Yet they name the name of Christ. What a pathetic state to be in. What a lethargic, dead state to be in. They do not consider others. All they can see is their own plight. No wonder people are depressed. No wonder people live in constant depression. It's inward looking. 
the pity party, the feeling sorry for themselves, the woe is me factor. Their children are, are going to hell. Their grandchildren are going to hell. They destroyed their lives, destroyed their marriage. They said they're in bitterness, yet they named the name of Christ. That's not Job's position. Job said he did all of these things. Job said he was a help to people. Job said he blessed the widow. He said, I put on righteousness and they clothed me. My judgment was as a robe and a diadem. He judged righteously. He knew God. He had the power of God in his life. He could see the evidence of the wisdom of God when he judged. I was eyes to the blind and feet was I to the lame. And I know this parallels here. I don't really see it as a type. I see the parallel, but I don't think that's what the parable is speaking of. I think Job is taught, lamenting his life. And that's just my, my translation of this. You have something different, then so be it. Preach it all you want. But the reality is, is Job is speaking of the literal, the things that he was, and he's using this to explain how he's right with God. He doesn't understand why he's sitting there. He doesn't understand why he's in misery. He's done everything he was supposed to do. He said, feet was I to the lame. What? He went and helped the lame. And one of the things I know of men of old, when it was a lame person, lame on their feet, the one thing they would do, they would always find somebody in the community to be their feet for them. And that's just lost today. The government's now their feet. The government's their eyes. The government is their handout. And uh, they have meals on wheels, and they have programs and feeding programs. And, you know, they give them the EBT cards that can be used so much a month on these food delivery services and meal delivery services. And it used to be people took care of those things. You had a blind person in a community, uh, especially when they got aged. I personally knew a lady when I was a boy that when her parents got aged and could no longer take care of her, others helped. Others came, made sure her meals were right, made sure everything was done right. She had an order in her home as a blind lady. We got a friend today that's blind. He's been blind since he's about 15 years old, and he knows how to function perfectly. He functions very well, but he has people that check on him just to make sure he's okay. Without his eyes, he needs someone to help him, and that's exactly what Job said he was. He was a father to the poor, and the cause which I knew not, I searched out. And what a blessing that was. And again, we're in a day when that's lost. Servitude is lost. People are lazy. They're just absolute pity party, thumb-sucking, self-indulgent pigs. And they name the name of Christ. And it's a shame and it's a reproach because they have done nothing for anybody else in their life. They'll have pity upon people and they'll call that Christianity. And pity is not Christianity. The, the eye affecteth thine heart. And your eye will affect you to have pity. But yet, if you have pity upon the poor, it means you help them. You have pity upon the poor, you try to meet that need. People say, well, I just don't have any money to give. Well, if you learn how to give, you probably have money to give. That's one of the greatest, lamest excuses I've ever heard. There's times in my life I didn't have to give. You know what I tried? I tried to give anyway. Just tried to prove what God said, given it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall man give into your bosom. And I've proven that in my own life, proven that with the walk with God, proven that in the relationship with God. But there's times I lose sight of that. There's times it's a reproach to me because I oftentimes forget that God will give to me if I'll give first. He said, I break the jaws of the wicked and pluck the spoil out of his teeth. And I said, I shall die in my nest and I shall multiply my days as the sand. My root was spread out by the waters and the dew lay all night upon my branch. Now, this is more parable here. But I really, to be honest with you, I don't have enough light on it to really preach it with confidence. But this is where the parable it really takes place here. My glory was fresh in me and my bow was renewed in my hand. Unto me men gave ear and waited and kept silence at my counsel. And look at him now. Look at him suffering. Look at him in the ash heap. Look at him. Certainly he can't be right with God. 
Certainly this man's not right with God, but yet God let Job go through all of this just to prove the patience of Job. Glory to God, what a saint. Glory to God, what a man of God. And he couldn't see it because he was in calamity. He couldn't see it because of the sorrow. Others are mocking, scoffing, wagging the head, no doubt. But yet Job is speaking to the things which he's known, the things where he is. Unto me men gave ear and waited, kept silence of my counsel. After my words they spake not again, and my speech dropped upon them. And they waited for me as for the rain, and they opened their mouth wide as for the latter rain. And by the way, Jesus Christ himself said, open thy mouth wide and I will fill it. Why? He's the bread of life. He's the water of life. And don't lose sight of that in Job's parable. Again, I'm not going to preach it. It's just in there. He said, if I laughed on them, they believed it not. In the light of my countenance, they cast not down. In verse 25, says, I chose out their way and sat chief and dwelt as a king in the army as one that comforteth the mourners. The life of Job, the lamentation of Job will follow. We'll see that in the next chapter. He realizes what he was, but he realizes what he is today. He realizes what he's done, and now he's not in a position to do it because the position he's in is suffering and bearing that affliction. Tune in again tomorrow as we'll close out the uh, week with the Friday edition of the podcast. There's a lost soul who's tired of the sinning, and he longs to return to the Lord. As he cries for forgiveness and mercy, God is waiting. You have been listening to the Daily Doctrine Podcast with Evangelist Tim McVeigh. For correspondence, please contact us through our website and someevangelist.com and use the contact form to connect with us. You may also subscribe to the podcast through our website or search for Daily Doctrine Evangelist Tim McVeigh on iTunes. Google Podcasts, Spotify, Audible, or Amazon. To write to us, please use our church address, which is Manasseh Community Baptist Church, 70 Back Hollow Road, Blaine, Pennsylvania, 17006. Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. Don't forget to subscribe and tune in tomorrow. And remember to look up for your redemption calleth not. Now the angels of God are rejoicing, for the prodigal child has come home, and the saints all with gladness are singing the glory. Song of the redeemed.